Welcome to Olympian Method, the show where we ask the deep questions in philosophy. Please like the video, subscribe, and hit that bell notification for us. Wolf, it's good to be back. It's been a while. We haven't made a video in some time. Yeah, I mean, so I, I see your arm, your hand looks like something happened to it. Could, could, oh, could you help fill me in? Like, what's going on, man? So this is just the epitome of irony. So today we're going to have a very interesting topic about identity, because believe it or not, a broken hand and identity actually has a lot in common. But what is please identity? go Please go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, hear, I hear the word identity, and I think it's one of those things that's so commonly used that we maybe don't always mean the same thing when we talk about it. I think that's very true. And um, you were mentioning, I always steal your thunder, but I love your <laughs> ideas. You were mentioning beforehand the idea of maybe there's an individual identity, a group mm. identity, and a global identity. Mm. Uh, maybe what I wanna, well, I wanna definitely extrapolate upon that and wonder if there's different subdivisions within each of those uh, substrata, so All right. to speak. Subdivisions within the substrata, I don't know if that works, but yeah. let's, let's dig into it. Okay, so. From, from where shall we start? So let's start from the story of how I broke my hand. Now, yes. <laughs> in the previous episode, we were talking about stoicism and the idea of staying your anger. Now. I think that this episode is going to be very informative and instructional for anybody who's had problems dealing with anger. Mm. And part of the reason I enjoy philosophy so much is I really like the idea of improving myself. I don't know of a person who doesn't like the idea of improving <laughs> themselves, honestly. But um, if you're not growing, you're... <laughs> well, they call them growing pains for a reason, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, the whole idea is, is that this could have been avoided. So. I won't go into too many details. By the way, on this podcast, we like to stay away from political topics, like divulging them. Um, just at this time, in, in the interest of pure transparency, I personally don't feel comfortable enough divulging my opinions about them. I want to be able to talk about them in a calm, discernful manner that doesn't offend anybody, if at all possible. I like getting to the root of things. Part of what happened that led to this event was a political discussion gone awry. It kind of goes to show that, yes, there were some uh, there was some element of my own shortcoming that caused this to happen, and mm. I, that's where I really want to focus on. Okay, it was a political discussion that really, when it got out of hand, I got very personally offended. I really believe that I had the right to be offended about it because it was actually directed at me, and let's say immutable characteristics. I'll just end it there. Okay, don't need to go into it. So I think everyone can relate to the idea of being bullied or feeling like they're being singled out, and it's like. What do you do when that happens? That's a completely another question. But the real root of what I want to get to is the out, the fallout of what happened as a result of my broken hand. Obviously, we're in a pandemic. Everyone's having to cope with this new environment that we're in. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that I used to cope with this pandemic was music, guitar specifically. Mm -hmm. And in the current state that I was in, um, music became my emotional crutch. Um, I'm talking eight hours a day. Hmm. This was not something I would be able to do normally in the pandemic. And when my hand got broken as a result of my anger, I punched a car in anger. I did not punch a person, hmm. broke my hand, was unable to play guitar. I was faced with an identity crisis because something that I had basically worked on identifying as for the better part of 15 years of my life, it seemed temporarily that I was no longer able to identify with that. And that was very, it caused an existential crisis for lack of a better term. It was very difficult for me to wrap my head around the fact that I couldn't play guitar. But part of the reason for that was the existential crisis. So Wolf. Yes. You identify as a musician as well, yes? I, I do. Um, I don't play a lot of guitar, um, although I do like playing guitar. I play bass. I do a couple other things on the side. Um, but I don't know if it's my identity. Interesting. 
Like if I couldn't play, I'd be missing that part of me. But I think I've built my identity around other thing, or maybe I built enough other identities is what I've done where mm -hmm. it may not affect me to the same way as affects you. Right. Which is interesting. Cause I feel like for me, I definitely felt very fragile in the state I was in realizing that I had constructed or given a lot of time to that one identity and not a whole lot to the other identities. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize kind of how thin they're hanging on to their, you know, their grasp of, re of reality or whatever it is that you're referring to. Yeah. And then when it gets pulled hard enough, bad things happen. Exactly. And my goodness, I, I feel like that's kind of something that a lot of maybe even drug addicts go through is they build an identity mm. around the feeling of feeling good. <laughs> and, but there's no meaning in that. There's no responsibility to that. The only responsibility you feel when you're an addict is like, Oh, I must get high. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking as somebody who's gone through, you know, mm recovery and rehabilitation and all of that for, yeah. for drug abuse. And it's just me being open and honest. So apparently I might need it for anger management issues as well. Um, but, but the, the, the issue here is not my anger and frustration over politics. Everyone, everyone feels that everyone feels personally slighted. Mm. There's a book called the four agreements which says that you shouldn't take anything personally, but in stoic philosophy, it's the same thing. You shouldn't really let your anger show because nothing ever good comes from showing your anger. So for me, this is really me owning up to my failing. I'm not a failure, but it's me owning up to the failing of not living up to the stoic philosophy that I admire and I find so quite honestly endearing and, and helpful, which is the idea of controlling the outward expression of your emotions, even if you're feeling it inwardly and not letting whatever slight you might be feeling be a justification for rage or, or hurt or, or sadness, you know, outward. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Sean, can you talk through a little bit of like what was going through your head at the time like what kind of thoughts were in your head was there any logic was there any reason or was it just pure emotion well so the converse well i would have to i want to really be careful not to touch on touch on the specific talking points that happened mm -hmm. in the evening but from the get-go i felt my heart rate increasing because mm -hmm. i heard things being said that to my perception i know to be factually untrue or for there to be actual statistical data and information that actually refutes the claims that were being claimed. And I was also out, outnumbered. So I was a, one of four people and three of the people there had the persuasion that I was not. Um, so you, did, 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 you, did you feel like the audience was open-minded or was you know, willing to accept, um, let's say, correction? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause you have different frameworks of lifestyles of how you want to live. Right. And one of the life, the, the general, uh, ideology of the people I was with is that people's feelings matter, which was very interesting is mm -hmm. that they, they really cater to the idea of being empathetic and compassionate to people who, um, have been victimized particularly. Um, I'm, I'm obviously giving away a little bit about what maybe their political leanings might be. Yeah, but... actually, that, that brings up an interesting question, though. So do you think that their emotions were a large part of their identity? Uh, yeah, but, but what was, what was, I was thinking about my emotions a lot, and that's all kind of <laughs> still able to think about because I'm going back there right now in my head, and I'm still kind of like uh, uh, eye-twitching moment. Mm -hmm. But there was a lack of consistency in what they were saying because they were so... They were... Uh, not prophesizing, but they were professing their sympathy for people who have been offended. And in the moment where I made it known that I was being offended by what was being said, because I thought it was targeting me, it was almost like there was a, there was a lack of empathy for that. 
and it was in a space that I felt normally very comfortable in and I wasn't no used to having those dialogues in. I love having discussions with people I disagree with, but in this particular instance, it was basically with family. Mm -hmm. It wasn't literally with family, but it was basically family. And I'm not used to feeling attacked by mm. family. I'm not used to being bullied by family. And so there's a real sense that when I'm around people that I feel like I'm supposed to be safe with, and there's almost a sense of betrayal in that, in that if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. then it's like, where's the threat? That's where my brain goes. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting you mentioned family, because one of the things I wanted to talk about is the, the notion of the family is kind of one of the most basic or earliest forms of identity that we have that's kind of biological in nature that we are in that group identity together by virtue of having our genetics entwined together and you yeah. know being raised by and all of those sorts of scenarios so mm -hmm. what what do you what do you think makes the like the foundations of our identity do you think that's part of it i i hypothesize that the smallest unit of a society of a social structure, of a group rather, is is the family unit. Mm -hmm. I believe families are made up of individuals, but no man or no woman is an island. So identity is not something that you construct merely in your head. Mm -hmm. So I remember the experiment, thought experiment I used of the kid that was playing. Uh, yeah. And playing with themselves versus playing with, not, not playing with themselves, but it, it, engaging in an, an identity experimentation by themselves versus engaging with it with other people. Maybe we can get into that into the next chapter, but mm. um, what we want to outline really is that there are, I think there are ideas that are unchangeable and there are ideas that are changeable mm -hmm. and there are ideas that are individually negotiated that you negotiate with yourself. For example, I guess I am kind of an angry person at heart. I never thought of myself that way, but then when this happened, it's like, well, clearly my ideas about myself are not in line with reality. Maybe that doesn't have to be the case. I have wants about my wants, but mm -hmm. I mean, Wolf, have you ever, just curious, have you ever encountered any like, like difficulty with that? Like where you like act in a way that you didn't really think that you would. And then you're like, huh, I guess I have to think about myself differently. Um, not really. Well, as far as like emotions go, you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> that they haven't controlled me to a large degree in my life. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a sign of, you know. I, I mean, it's probably one of the things that's led me on this path towards, you know, wanting to lead a stoic life is that I'm kind of naturally biased towards that anyway. So it's mm -hmm. probably easier for me than some other people. And, you know, that <laughs> that yeah. certainly biases me in a certain direction. Um, right, right. But and, and so I think that becomes a part of your identity, too, regardless of whether which, which direction you're pointing in right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that's and 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 you had mentioned also it's like a you kind of thought of your identity in terms of what you've already accomplished for example mm -hmm. you don't think of yourself as like a professional musician until you've been paid for doing a gig or something like that that could right. be one way of formulating that specific identity but the identity of being a son or a daughter is not negotiable that's just kind of who you are that is biologically determined right that is something that you just give as a title to the thing that comes out of a woman. Yeah. That is a living thing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I so. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to, 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 the, to the, the analogy or the, um, sorry, the layers of um, identity that, that you'd mentioned that I, I'm sort of thinking of in my head, I, I like to think of it as sort of there's, I think a lot of the individual identity kind of starts from those immutable traits about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, there, there's on top of that, there's a layer of sort of your, your brain, um, 
organization, mm-hmm. right, is a part of your identity in some way in terms of how you think, um, which right. can in, which can include things like your philosophy in life is right. a part of your identity, and that's definitely something we talk about here a mm-hmm. good amount. Um, right, right. It even includes things like your religion. That's another part of your individual identity. But then it starts to grow from that into the group identity, especially as you start introducing the more social aspects of things. So like religion does have a social aspect to it. The family unit is partly biological, but also partially social as an identity. And then as you start growing the group identity bigger, eventually you reach a certain limit where you can no longer sort of think of all of the individual actors in this play of the group of your identity um, and you start having to abstract things bigger and this is i think this is what leads to some of the the problems we're having in our global increasingly global society today that we we don't really have a true global identity We're, i think we're trying to develop one as a result of a human race that's so interconnected now globally speaking but we don't really have that problem. Well, we don't have any problem solved, but we don't have a good identity that is global yet today as a human race. And that's interesting. And I feel like it's actually the larger the the pool, the net of identity becomes, mm-hmm. the, the, the simpler the notions have to be to define it. Right. That's, that's kind of what I mean by abstractions in terms of you can't account for all the nuances of the individuals anymore. Once you start getting to the level of global and you start having to think of, I mean, generally we start to group things into different, um, like let's just say nations, countries, you know, ethnicities, all of those different groups start becoming how you think about the identity at a global level, just because you can't, you can no longer start to account for the individuals once you're starting to have these, you know, billions of people in your head, right? That's just not something you, your mind can do. Right. So I think it's, uh, and I mentioned to you, like, for example, if you cut your hair the next day, <laughs> I would notice that. I would mm-hmm. notice that difference, that change. Or if like you started wearing different clothes, I would notice that. But if you start, if you just wore the same thing mm-hmm. that you're wearing right now every day, I might be like, oh, we'll, we'll not change. Like you don't notice things that stay the same. You notice differences. So I feel like Maybe the challenge for us with mm. all of these problems that we're having is to kind of try to overcome our biological tendencies and to be self-aware of the fact that we notice differences first before we notice similarities. Mm-hmm. And maybe try to meditate on how we're more alike rather than different. Because when, for example, the, in the situation where this happened, that's an environment where music and love and happiness and joy normally happens. And that's, that's how I remember, know that place. It, 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 is, it is like, you know, Mama's kitchen, for lack, for lack of a better expression. You nice. know, it's like, so it's to, that is where true unity kind of comes around. And I feel like focusing on what unites us as opposed to what divides us is actually a really tricky question mm. when our own biology seems determined to single out the ways in which we're different over the ways in that we're similar. Mm. And I think focusing on identity is, you know, identity is kind of like, uh, it's almost like a way of identifying who's different than you as well. Like if you were in a group of seven people and someone was really good at constructing a house, someone was really good at hunting, someone was really good at medicine, another person was like maybe a spiritual guru who could like help, you know, make everyone feel calm in a crisis. You know, everyone has a role that they play and those identities are all different. And I think what we're going through right now, we're so aware of all the ways that we're different that it's overwhelming. Mm. And we, and, and we notice are noticing all of these differences, but it's like, how are we the same? No one's yeah. talking about that. It, 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 I mean, it's kind of funny because we're, we're almost, we're, 
not that far from the thought experiment you talked about, like living in a post-apocalyptic world where it's like you start breaking down, okay, so there's no more, like basically you only have this very small group, tribe, whatever you want to call it, of people who need to band together to survive. You don't have like all the civilization and other niceties we have of life today. It's like, what role do you need to play in that society in order to make things function? Right. And you were mentioning how sometimes those roles can be different. It's not always the same. Like maybe, maybe, maybe you're the shamanic healer or the medicine man in the, in the group. And then, you know, maybe maybe the, the the lead hunter dies and you actually have to learn how to hunt like you have to like learn to adapt to these changes and adaptability but you know w- one of the things we've mentioned on this podcast before wolf is you know freedom of speech which i think allows freedom of thought and that freedom of thought is is the freedom of life really because it's the freedom to adapt to mm-hmm. to changes to identify where things are becoming stagnant where the identities are getting how do i say this the the boxes that we're placing around things need to change. The dogmas need to change. By allowing freedom of speech, we actually allow ourselves to construct new identities, to to allow the things that aren't working to be said, to to, to identify the things that aren't working. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I had said this to you before off off air, which is it's basically admitting that you got things wrong initially, but that the only way we can get things more correct is by having dialogue with each other and sort of bouncing ideas off each other and seeing which ones stick. Yeah. And I think to bring it full circle back to the hand here, I mean, (laughs) this is the idea that I got something wrong. I mean, clearly this was in no one's best interest. I did not change anyone's mind in that political discussion by getting angry. Yeah. You know, the only thing I could really hope to gain from that is to intimidate other people by being afraid of how angry I am. And that's the only purpose anger really has. It's, it's it's, It's a game. So who can get more angry? And it's like, nobody wins that game. Everyone leaves feeling sad, hurt, depressed, or, or, or some other thing. So ownership on my part for not living up to the ideals that I wanted to, which was to stay my anger, talk to the point about what I really wanted to talk about, and really kind of you know, get to the idea that we're more similar than dissimilar. We all want the same things. Mm-hmm. And as far as identity goes, I think we actually do have a universal identity. We're all human beings. <laughs> we all want to have family we all want to have meaning we all want to be accepted by other people we all want to feel important because being important is about being useful we all want those things and so i encourage anyone who's watching this regardless of whatever group identity you put on yourself or even what individual identity you put on yourself really realize that what everyone's trying to achieve by giving themselves those identities is the same thing nice i I think let's let's go ahead and close the chapter there i I like ending it right there. I'm, uh, I'm not going to try and shake your hand because I know it's in a bad shape right now. <laughs> Light fist bump. Ow. No. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Olympians, thank you for joining us today for this. Um, probably our most, I would want to say our most intimate and probably for me, at least sensitive podcast. So Wolf, thank you for helping share the platform, allowing me to share. You know, yeah. I, know I know you've done that too. So and th- thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Until next time. Later, Olympians. Later, Olympians. <laughs> <laughs>